Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Quality Matters. I'm your hostess, Darcy Chambers. I'm introducing this on my own. This week, Kyle had the opportunity to speak to the Bay Area chapter of ASQ, and he talked to them about coffee pot process mapping. This should be interesting. I actually did not attend his um, speaking live and in person, so I'll have to listen to this and see what he has to say, and hopefully he didn't embarrass me. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy it. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. I really do want to thank you for letting me come here. This I, I love love doing this stuff. It's uh, it's a lot of fun for me. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about myself so you kind of know where, where I'm coming from with the topic here because I definitely definitely handle things in a um, non-traditional manner, I guess I guess you could say. But I, I came from a very non-traditional background getting into quality management. Um, I am, my, my degree is in management information systems. I've got, I don't know, seven different IT certifications. Um, and, and that was what I'd intended to do was go into, uh, go into computer science and I was a systems administrator. And, but I was a systems administrator for a small company. Um, I've done some help desk work with a hospital, but I don't recommend doing help desk work. Um, <laughs> it's been the all, all day long just resetting usernames and passwords. It's, it's not fun. Um, but uh, so I was, I was this admin, but it was a small company. So within about a year, I just totally worked myself out of a job. And so I had a, a wife, I had a, had a baby, and. Well, that's just not a good position to be in when, when you don't have any work to do because realistically, you're just gonna be let go and they'll, they'll hire an IT consultant to manage it from there. So I started poking and prodding and, and trying to find something else I could do because I really liked the company. I enjoyed working there, I enjoyed the people I worked with. And I got told no every time, every time I turned around, right? Well, a couple weeks went by and I was already looking for jobs. I put my resume out, I don't know how many times. And I was, I was set that I was gonna go find something else. And they said three times in a staff meeting before I uh, took notice that they needed a, a quote, technically minded person to head up a health and safety program. The company was about double the size than it was a year before. They were growing a lot, doing really good. And, you know, it needs, had some health and safety issues. So I said, ah, I'll take care of that. I'll figure it out. So I got my OSHA 30, got my Haswhopper, got, you know, forklift certified and, and, and went and did all that. And so we got a good health and safety program going on. but. As you're dealing with health and safety, inevitably you, you find there's some environmental issues that need taken care of. And so, you know, I'm a young, ambitious guy, and so I start taking care of all the environmental issues and start getting us uh, all the appropriate permits and, and whatnot and dealing with the city and TCQ and all of that. And then uh, I, I dabbled a little bit with uh, the quality side of things because they all just, as you know, they all intersect so well. Well, sometimes they do. <laughs> they, <clears throat> and so management came to me and they said, Kyle, um, what do you think about getting us uh, ISO and OSAS certified? I was like, yeah, sounds great. When do you want to do it? He's like, well, our deadline was three weeks ago. I'm like, deadline? I didn't know anything about this. He's like, well, we were supposed to have had 
9001 and 14001 and 18001. We were supposed to have those completed three weeks ago. It's like, well, it sure would have been nice if I'd, if I'd known about that. I'm like, yeah, well, we need to do it now. Like, okay, fine, we need to do it now. When do we need it done by? And so he pulls out his phone and, you know, goes through his calendar and he's like, well, it looks like uh, 11 months and uh, two weeks and three days. Can you get it done? It's like, sure, I'll get it done. So I was already working 50 hours a week because it's, it's a lot to take care of, you know? And so as I started putting the program together and we started recording our nonconformities and managing inventory, which was another fun thing that got thrown my way was inventory management. So it's a whole lot of fun when you got $4 million of inventory that no one's ever kept up with. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's, that's a blast. Um, my, my weekly hours, you know, they start creeping up. And so it was 60 hours and 70. And so I'm, I'm working seven days a week. And finally, I spent a couple of weeks working over 100 hours each week. And um, which, if you do the math, it's basically every waking hour plus losing a little bit of sleep. And uh, my wife, uh, who's host of the podcast, she's, she just couldn't be here tonight. Uh, she usually does the stuff with me. Uh, she came to me and, and gave me under no uncertain terms that you're going to find a solution to this problem. And so I decided, okay, I need, I need to figure this out. And so I decided to brush up on my uh, IT skills and, and really try to, try to problem solve this thing and, and stop just wasting time. It's really what I was doing. I was just chasing paperwork all day, you know, just chasing paperwork. For example, our corrective action reports. There were Excel documents, right? And there were Excel documents that printed out because most people hardly even knew how to use a computer, or if they did, they refused to use a computer. And so it was printouts of Excel documents, and I'd give it to the supervisor, and he'd make a copy to give it to the engineer, and he'd make a copy to give it to shipping receiving because they were involved. And then by the time it got to me, I had four different documents, each with different information on it. And so now I'm trying to assemble a singular coherent document that's going to be the official copy but then I still got to keep these other four versions for you know just for liability's sake if nothing else and my gosh it would take almost a full day to assemble one of those and I was just thinking to myself this is this is stupid I am wasting so much time I'm missing out on my family and at this point my oldest boy was uh, playing Little League and I'm missing his practices I'm missing his games and you know, this this ain't cutting it. I, I can't I can't work this way, and I'm not doing a benefit to the company either. I'm not doing benefit to no one working this way. So, I told my boss under no uncertain terms as well. I'm taking two weeks. For two weeks, I'm gonna shut my door. I'm gonna turn off my phone. Heck, I unplugged my phone. I'm uninstalling Outlook. I'm not doing any. I'm not communicating with anyone at the office at all, and I'm gonna find a better way to do it. So two weeks later, I came out with a rough plan and a rough version of the software. As you remember, I said there was someone that refused, outright refused to use the computer. Well, it was one of the production supervisors, and he did. He legitimately only logged in once a year at insurance time to, to check his paperwork to make sure he can get his health insurance and life insurance taken care of. Wow. He'd have his engineer do all the, the computer work for him, and, and he's a darn good guy. Don't get me wrong. He's he's awesome, awesome guy. Still works for the company. Really great at what he does, but he just didn't work on the computer. He wanted to talk with his men. He wanted to talk with the people. He wanted to work with the parts. All right, fine, that works. Except for when I need a corrective action turned in. Um, so what I did is I went through and backdated all of the corrective actions in the software that I created. And he was the first one to complete one. I didn't. I believed that the computer messed up. I couldn't believe that it was, 
was this, you know, this supervisor that completed the first corrective action. But what he did is he pulled out his BlackBerry and because he got an email notification of the corrective action, he completed the corrective action, tapping it out on his BlackBerry keyboard, snapped pictures of the parts that were fixed, the inspection report and all the details for it, attached those corrective action and within an hour it was done. And so I went from it being an all day process, probably two weeks of follow up to get this stuff done, to one hour and this stuff was getting completed. So that's kind of my background. None of it is the official track to working quality. Now in the process of all of that, I got my lead auditor cert. So um, we've got ISO 9001 lead auditor. Um, and you know, here and there folks had kind of caught wind of some of the work that I'd done for my company. So I started getting requests to do it for other folks, which I think is really how most consultants get started anyways. And so I started doing a little bit of work, you know, here and there. <coughs> and then, um, you know, come 2016, it was kind of uh, the breaking point. And it's like, well, I can either do justice to the company or I can run my own business, which ways, which ways is it going to be? So opted for running the business, gave them a, a, a two months notice just because, you know, they're great folks. I had nothing against them. So great folks. And it was even on a retainer with them for a while until, you know, they could get me, uh, get all of my various roles <laughs> uh, within the company replaced. That worked out well. Um, and real quick, I, I got opportunities to start doing, um, to do ISO audits. So I started auditing for uh, NSF, um, started auditing for DECRA, and actually here in the next couple of months, I think I've got uh, four or five different audits with DECRA coming up. So I'm gonna be going to Austin and Colorado and New York and I don't know, somewhere else, I can't remember. Um, so I did a lot of the, uh, the ISO audits. I generally do probably one or two of those uh, a month. And, and those are really good because it kind of helps you keep uh, I guess keep your skills fresh. Plus, you see so many different companies, you see so many different ways that people solve the same problem. And that to me is the most fascinating thing. It's like all these different various ways that people have solved the exact same stinking problem. Um, yeah, that, that's probably about the most fun of the ISO audits for me. But what I've realized with working with this um, is a lot of people have the same problem I had. You know, maybe not to the extreme, that I had a problem, right? You know, not many people will uh, suffer through working 100 hours a week for very long. Um, but a lot of people have a problem that they're just wasting time and energy on little minute details, you know? It's stuff that, stuff that doesn't merit your time and attention. I mean, think about it. How many good things could you do for your company? How many good things could you do for your family if you weren't wasting time on, on these pointless, activities right so that that's kind of what uh, what lit a fire under me I guess you could say and so that's the uh, the official uh, uh, mission statement of the company is to save folks time and energy for what matters most be it going home to your son or daughter for a little league game or pursuing a passion project at the office well when I got rolling with this and I'm starting to work with other companies that you know that I'd never dealt with before they weren't my company they weren't my system that I built from scratch where do you start? Man, that is one heck of a question. Is where the heck do you start? How do you get started? How do you learn about a company who has maybe 10 or 20% of their management system in place? How do you learn what they have? How do you learn what they need? And how do you do it quickly? And how do you do it cheaply? Because most of the folks we deal with, not all, but most of the folks we deal with are small businesses. 
and oftentimes they're struggling small businesses. So we wanna make sure that we can get this done um, efficiently time-wise and efficiently economically for them. So we kind of developed our own unique way uh, of getting started. And so this is what we're talking about here, is we're doing a process mapping and gap assessments. But for us, the process mapping process and the gap assessment process wind up being one and the same. And so we use it to, to access and, and uh, kind of understand the entirety of the program. You know what, before I change slides, I'll give you one example. <clears throat> when I first started working with Quality, um, the owner of the company came to me and said, Kyle, I want you to start by writing office procedures. I said, okay, well that makes sense, you know. The shop environment can be way more complex than the office environment. That's, that's a good place to start. I'll start there. And so then I thought about it. It's like, well, where the heck do I start with writing office procedures? Like, what is an office procedure? I mean, really think about it. What is an office procedure? We talk about supplier selection. That seems more shop related in a lot of ways, unless you're talking about copy paper, in which case, what copy paper we can buy really doesn't matter as long as the printer don't jam. Uh, that's not a huge quality control issue. Um, unless you're a print shop, then it's a, a huge issue. Um, so we like coffee. We all like coffee. I'd probably drink two pots a day. It's sad, but it's true. Um, so well, two pots of coffee a day. And there was another guy in the office, an engineer who worked with the, the vacuum heat treat furnaces, which if you ever have a chance to examine a vacuum heat treat furnace shop, oh my gosh, it is just fascinating. But that's that's another another story. I had an opportunity to go uh, tour a, a heat treat shop here in town after the uh, OTC conference this year, and oh my gosh, opened my eyes to all sorts of fascinating things that I didn't know about. In any case, uh, me and this engineer, we drank between two of us probably at least four pots of coffee a day, and everyone else in the office probably you know drank at least one. So we're just burning through coffee all the time. But we had a few problems. The girl at the front desk. If she made it, man, it's weak. It's weak. Like you're not supposed to see through the coffee pot, um, and so you can see through the coffee pot. So it's bad. And so we were trying to gather inputs into the process. So I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time. I was trying to gather my inputs into the process. Um, none of us really cared much about which brand coffee it was, just as long as it was strong and hot. We didn't really care. So we didn't care much about the brand as an input, though I could see other people caring about it. Then we, then if uh, my buddy, the engineer that I'm talking about, if he made coffee, he would fill the entire coffee filter full of coffee. And so by the time you got the coffee, it was kind of sludgy. It's just disgusting. Um, so, it was, so we had some, some non-conformities here. We had some things we had to worry about. We, and what I realized later is that these were my early introduction to tolerances in a, in a process. Um, so I had to worry about that. We also had a problem because it was one of these, these industrial coffee pots or coffee makers where it had the burner on the bottom and two burners on the top. And you know we needed that many burners and we really did. It's sad again. But if you left a pot there for too long, it would, uh, it would burn. So if, if you left it there for more than two, because it kept it hot. So if you left it there for more than two hours, nah, it just didn't taste very good. So we came up with a good solution. We got little styrofoam cups and we marked off the hours on them. And so we'd put a styrofoam cup, you know, beside each pot of coffee. And so whenever you brew, whenever you brew that pot of coffee, you put the styrofoam cup on whatever hour it was made. And so then when you come back to look at it, 
we could immediately know if it was if it was burnt or not. So you didn't have to have to drink the burnt coffee, which you know one of our first uh, introductions to nonconformities, right? So I guess drinking burnt gone coffee is a nonconformity. I mean, I know this all sounds kind of uh, silly, but this was my introduction to uh, to quality management and, and the introduction to what I'm about to show you here. Oops, maybe not. There we go. This was the process map we developed. Now this is just a, a sample, right? This is flyer selection evaluation, because everyone has, has probably seen that before. But what I realized is that every process, truly every process can, can be mapped out this way. And so when we start a consultation project, this is the absolute very first thing we do in that consultation project, is we take a day to map out your processes. Now there are certain processes that everyone has, right? Like everyone has suppliers. I've yet to find a company that was able to exclude uh, suppliers or external providers, if we're with the 2015 language. Um, maybe some folks exclude design and development, but everyone has a document control process. You know, everyone has a quality planning process. So there are certain processes that are common to everyone. So we've got some good kind of templates to start from, which this is one. This is one of those, those templates. It's just totally a starter. It's not the, not the final product. And we're going to go through all these processes with you. Because rather than me asking the client who isn't very far along in the development of their management system, rather than me asking the client to explain the entirety of their system to me, which they probably can't do very well, um, we just start here. Exactly. That, that is it exactly. So you have to assume that if they're hiring you, yeah, that they, they need a certain level of assistance. And so this is the tool that we found. It, again, it is as simple, truly as simple as we can make it. So we identify our inputs. Well, what are our inputs to the process? What do we need to get it done? Inputs and resources, we combine those together. We used to separate resources out as a separate box on here, but it always goes hand in hand with inputs. So why separate it? What's the process itself? Okay, well that's straightforward. It's flyer selection and approval. Well, what's the output of the process? When we are finished, what are we turning over to folks? Well, we've got you an approved list of suppliers. That's pretty straightforward. Well, what's our goal? Because every process has to have a goal. Let's go back to my coffee pot example. What was the goal of my coffee pot process? The goal of my coffee pot process was to ensure that we always had well <laughs> the goal is to ensure that we always had a hot pot of coffee that was within tolerance well that's straightforward we want a hot pot of coffee within tolerance maybe add on there that's not burned <laughs> um so here our goal here is to ensure that suppliers are selected you know uh to prove a high standard of quality okay what's our goal well how do we ensure that well, we're going to monitor them probably with non-conformance uh, reports. We're going to monitor them with corrective action reports. And we're going to monitor them with an evaluation form. Now we can also, and should go further here, but I save this for the actual consultation process. We go further here in the controls and I'll ask the customer, well, do you have any procedures currently about suppliers? And if they tell me they have a procedure, I'll document what their procedure is. If they tell me they don't have a procedure, I'll document that they need a procedure. 
And so you can see that by the time we finish this, we've not only identified what their processes are and how they work for this organization, I've also identified everything they're missing per process. So then we go through and, and I always ask folks, if this process went to heck, if the whole thing went to heck, how would you know? Seems like a straightforward question, but not necessarily. Um, so how are we gonna check for it? Well, we can send questionnaires out. Maybe we want to know how we're doing through the supplier. Maybe we're not paying them in time and they're stopping our shipments. It's an issue. So we wanna find these things out ahead of time. Um, authorize you know, new and add new suppliers. So if we have new, new authorizations throughout the year, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've ever seen a company with more than 20 employees that doesn't add a new supplier every year. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Either you hire someone new who's got a brother-in-law that does it, or you find someone new because you needed a product faster than the other folks could get it. But everyone adds something every year, you know? And of course, the internal audit's way to check it. Um, but we want to identify how are we going to find out about these problems before they go to heck? How do we know about it if they do? And this is also one of the questions I'll ask when we talk about, because we'll take a look at the entire quality management system as a whole process. So we all have quality objectives, right? Well, quality objectives tend to get a little generic from company to company sometimes. And this is one of the questions I like to ask folks, is how are you gonna know if your quality management system is failing? which is effectively risk-based thinking, right? But we're just not using those, those verbiages. We're not using that, that wording because risk-based thinking confuses the mess out of people. But if you tell people, how do you know if something's going wrong? Oh, well, okay, those are risks that we've not mitigated. So same idea. And the answers you'll usually get are, you know, well, maybe we get returns on our products. Well, okay, so that would be a measure. We wanna check our customer returns. Well, maybe we're losing customers. Okay, well, maybe you wanna check for repeat business year to year. But same idea of the, uh, the checks and measures here. So we'll go through this and then we'll compile one of these forms for every single process we've reviewed. And then so when it comes time to turn in the gap assessment report to the client, we'll give them all of these sheets with everything filled out. And then we'll give them a summary of here are the major areas that you need, need some assistance with. And that document becomes the start of our plan for the next three, six, nine months, however long we're gonna work with these folks to, to get them up to par. So again, we, the, the goal is to take all of these different aspects, strip out the complicated wording, and just get down to business and, and help the folks out. Now, in the moment, I can promise you, I don't do it on the computer. This is how we do it. <laughs> we'll take, we'll just take chart paper, throw it up on the board, and you know we'll get going on it. So obviously here we're talking about internal transfers. These are inventory transfers from from one department to another department. So this was our map on it. So we identified a couple of you know problems here where it's not accounted for, and this wound up in the report for the gap assessment. So we take a simple, very simple process map, take the same process, apply it to every client. But the beautiful thing is when you apply the same process to every client, 
you get different results every single time. So we're able to meet the needs of the company, able to meet the needs of the process, and we're able to meet the needs of the people because you can't tell me for one second that quirky people don't change the needs of a company uh, as they build that quality management system. So you gotta make sure you get all three of the company, the process, and the people. And that's it. It is all pretty straightforward.